95% of all UFO sightings can be immediately identified. It's the 5% that give you the release. chase them sometimes but can't catch them there are near misses between these things and commercial aircraft and you saw the disc uh, of ring these are very hard to dismiss the, the handful of sightings a ufo in broad daylight near paris we suddenly observed a very bright red orange object it was oval ufos have interfered with missiles I saw something that defied logic. Reported a strange craft, triangular in shape. On the triangular shape craft. Mystery craft being seen. Dark metallic in appearance. Flying craft. There's an orange orb. Glowing orb. The glowing orb. The giant ball of light. Glowing object. Could be aliens. Some form of aliens. continued to take a look at UFOs, the great last day's deception. But that's still not all. The fifth reason why the Bible says UFOs are clearly demonic in origin is because they act like demons, okay? Now folks, maybe it's just me, but again, this is kind of strange. It just so happens another strange feature or characteristics of UFOs is they typically appear to people who have some history or involvement in occult practices, okay? Uh, what happens is it seems like there's a pattern that once you engage in these occult demonic practices, wonders of wonders, guess what? You just open the door of all things for UFO contact to also start coming in. I kind of find that a little bit strange. In fact, not just me, that's exactly what these researchers are also saying about the issue. Let's take a look. Uh, one researcher stated, quote, an inordinately high percentage of the abductees have had previous experience with the occult. He says, I, I remember when I was younger and into seances, necromancy, and psychokinesis and astral projection, that one night I looked into the sky and saw a very bright light that moved at an extremely high rate of speed and made sudden and severe changes in direction during its flight. It moved extremely fast and accelerated out of sight as it moved high into the night sky and disappeared. I saw this with my own eyes, but it doesn't stop there. During my occult days, he says, I also saw many other unusual manifestations, heard voices, and saw things move. I could go on, but suffice it to say that I confirmed the findings of those who experience UFO phenomena, and they are very often involved in the occult. This, he says, is alarming and a major warning. He says, my conclusion is that the UFO phenomena is occultic in origin and demonically based. He says, I do not believe there is life on other planets, and I suspect that what has been manifested is nothing more than a great deception that is slowly enveloping mankind. In fact, other researchers state uh, this, uh, quote, in fact, we know of no UFO contactee who is not basically a spiritistic medium. And again, Jacques Vallée, he says this, he says, it is the rule rather than the exception to find significant UFO sightings preceded or followed by other anomalies, notably of the poltergeist variety, okay? So, let me see, you get involved in the occult and UFOs appear? 
I find that kind of interesting. In fact, let me give you an actual testimony of two people that I personally know who've had encounters uh, with UFOs, okay? And, and one is a lady named Christine who uh, lives in Oregon. I've talked with her many times. I personally interviewed her on this issue. And the other is another good friend of mine named Bud who lives in Arizona. And I asked both of them to write down their background and what they uh, experienced. And let me share with you now what they shared with me. Let's take a look. Christine says this, she says, my father, when he was in the military, got heavily involved with the occult. He said that he was in a seance with some of his clan and the table started levitating and they heard voices. They all ran out of the room and these phantom things followed. He didn't say too much more about the experience. The weird thing is he says that a bald man sits by him at night and tells him what the kids are doing. Then there was a Ouija board at our house from my father. Somehow we got a hold of it and started playing with it. And we would hear scratching inside the walls of the house after that. And to this day, that house scares the heck out of me, she says. There is something there not godly, okay? But then here's what Bud shared. He says this, he says, growing up, I was always fascinated about the possibility of other life out there. I could not get enough about them. So while surfing the net about them and ghost hunting, etc., he said, I ran across a video that showed you how to make them show up on demand. It worked so well, I would invite family and friends over on weekends to witness it and we would have barbecues and play with this. However, it wasn't long before I started seeing dark shadows pass over me and around the yard. They were darker than the night, uh, but, but, but so dark though you could still see them. Hard to explain, he says, but true. I never said anything to anyone so they would not get scared, plus I really didn't know what I was seeing. It wasn't until a few weeks later that my second oldest daughter asked me, Dad, what are those dark things that fly over us? When I heard that, I just got the chills, he said, and my eyes even started to water. It was such a strange feeling because I guess I was hoping that maybe it was just me. So I caught my breath and said, so you see them also, huh? Then my youngest daughter says, Dad, I see them all over the yard and in my room. And it hit me hard, he said, because she had been telling me something uh, would bother her at night and, and threw her stuffed animals at her when she was sleeping and then would hold her down. I even slept on her floor one night to show her that there was nothing to be scared of. In fact, I set a video camera uh, up to, to prove to her that nothing happens while uh, we're sleeping. Well, I couldn't show her that video because she was right and I was wrong. Then one night he says, my wife and uh, kids who had took the puppies outside to let them run before uh, bed and my daughter ran back in telling me uh, and my mom that's, that to come in, in the backyard and look at this. And he said, when I got outside, I looked up and this huge reaper shaped thing was gliding in the air going around our house. It looked like silk flying in the wind, but it kept circling our house. So I walked up uh, to about 10 feet from it and it just stared back at me. I could not see a face, but the hood was facing right at me. It, it was a windy full moon night, and when I saw it fly in front of me, I said, God, what is that? And we didn't talk much about it after that, he says, and still don't today. We no longer watch videos on ghost hunting, UFOs, or even scary movies, etc. We know, he says, who they are and what they want. And they want to mess you up because that's exactly what demons do. And so is it really surprising that once you start messing with the demonic occult, 
uh, and, and uh, you get involved in demonic issues and, and practices and demonic teachings, that it just happens to open up the door as well to demonic UFO activity? I don't think so, folks. I think it's one and the same once you look at the facts. But that's still not all. The sixth reason why the Bible says UFOs are clearly demonic in origin is because they possess like demons. Now, folks, as we already saw earlier in this study, the Bible clearly teaches how people can become possessed by demons, right? Well, I mean, it's all over the Bible, as we saw several different cases. But again, wonder of wonders, uh, guess what also these UFO occupants just happen to do? That's right, they just happen to possess people just like demons, shocker. In fact, so much so that even other researchers see the obvious connection. Let's take a look. Once again, John Ankerberg shares, quote, perhaps there is no more striking hallmark of the occult than that of spirit possession. There are literally thousands of documented cases, many involving very ugly endings. But this phenomenon is similar, if not identical, to the possession of UFO contactees as well as some close encounter UFO cases. Whether in the occult or ufology, the person is taken over by the invading entity, sometimes voluntarily, sometimes involuntarily, and controlled by the creature for whatever purposes it has in mind. Among UFO contactees or others who communicate personally with alleged extraterrestrials, there are also literally thousands of cases of what can only be termed as spirit possession. Incidents of possessions are mentioned by Kiel and Steiger, Norman, Cato, Valley, Schwartz, Reeve, and a dozen other researchers. Indeed, a large number of UFO contactees had an occult or mediumistic background even prior to contact. Adamski, Van Taskel, Minger, all the way up to Whitley Stryber experienced this. In fact, we have personally talked, he says, with a number of alleged abductees and or contactees who have been clearly demon-possessed and many spirit-possessed mediums who are not even seeking UFO communication may end up being contacted and becoming channels for both the dead and extraterrestrials. The fact that these supposed advanced beings from outer space prefer, listen, to possess their contacts after the manner of demons is further evidence that we're dealing with an occult phenomenon, he states. And then, just like you'd expect with actual demonic possession, why is it that there's only one way on record to get rid of these UFO occupants, these beings, when they do come your way? And why is it it just happens to be when you command them in the name of Jesus Christ to leave, and they do, as this next video shows. Let's take a look. phenomenon was a real phenomenon. This was something that was actually happening to these people. I was like paralyzed. I, I what you call like a little move. beam, but it was he was luminescent like light. The big bulbous head, the uh, gray skin. What I saw was a typical gray the big black eye. Two and a half, three feet tall. They all were dealing with something that was very unusual from a human perspective. This was something I felt that we needed an answer to because at this point in time there were no answers. My name is Joe Jordan and I'm the State Section Director for the Mutual UFO Network for Bavard County, Florida. I'm also Lead Field Investigator. 
When we get a call for an investigation, we take all the information we could over the phone, and then we send investigators out, sometimes myself, sometimes other investigators working with me, and we'd follow up to do an investigation report. To these people, they were sincere, they had sincere experiences, and they were looking, a lot of them looking for help, and they felt that being that we were involved as researchers and investigators, that we could be some help to them. My name is Joyce Ahrens. Um, I'm a floral designer. I was laying in the bed, my husband and I, and I was laying on my right side. And all I could see when I opened my eyes, all I could see was this red light above the window, and I could see my husband's shoulder, but I was like paralyzed. His skin looked like elephant skin, and he had the big bulbous head with the big wraparound eyes. As an honest researcher, I realized that I couldn't just count these people out because it's the stuff that they had was so bizarre. Most of the researchers in the realm had said it wasn't possible to, to stop an experience. Knowing that, I called some of the leading researchers in the country. So I said, guys, I've got a very unusual case here. This man, we'll use the name Bill, and during his experience in fear, he calls out, Jesus, 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 or Jesus, please help me. By calling out, he abruptly stops his abduction experience. These entities can be stopped in the name and authority of Jesus Christ. Once down in Coco, this was after I accepted Jesus Christ, they tried to come. And I kept saying, no, no, you're not doing this. And I took on the empowerment of Jesus Christ, and I stopped that. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. These are spiritual enemies. Taking on the empowerment of Jesus Christ puts a stop to a lot of things. And he's helped me a great deal. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Now, folks, come on. I mean, of all things, to stop an alien encounter or abduction is to rebuke them in the name of Jesus Christ and they flee? I mean, come on. That's exactly what demons do. That's what they have to do. They have to obey Jesus Christ, His authority and the authority in His name. That's what the Bible says. Mark chapter 1, verse 23 through 27 says, Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were also amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching? And with authority? He even gives order to the evil spirits and they obey him. And we already saw that one, but Mark chapter 3, verse 11 through 12 says this, Whenever the evil spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. But he gave orders, uh, strict orders uh, to them not to tell who he was. Mark chapter 5, verse 1 through 13. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one can bind him anymore, not even with a chain. 
for he had been often chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send him out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, Send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. And he, Jesus, gave them permission. Did you see that? He gave them permission. And the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. And again, why is it of all methodologies that will get rid of these UFO occupants is that, again, when they come your way, you command them in the name of Jesus Christ to leave, and they do. <laughs> Folks, that's what demons do. They have to obey the authority of Jesus Christ, like this next video shows. Let's take a look at this one. At first, everything was normal. The house appeared normal. Um, there really was nothing unusual. 521 was the new home of the Moe family. Dean and Jennifer moved their nine children across the state of Oregon to pastor a church. But as time went on, after the first couple of weeks, it, our children started coming to me, um, asking me what I, what I wanted. They'd ask me, um, why do you call me mom? Why do you keep calling my name? And it wouldn't be me. It wouldn't be me that had, had called them to me. Like we would get told to do stuff, and then we would do it. Like mom asked us for ice water, and then we went and gave her ice water, and she said, thank you, but she didn't ask for it. Dean tried to protect his family from what he thought was a physical being. Then as time went on, I'd be laying there in bed, and it, I would hear what sounded like somebody coming up the steps from the basement when we didn't have anybody downstairs. And I was concerned, first of all, that we might have had an intruder in the house, so I'd jump out of bed and go grab something and then open up the door of the basement, there wouldn't be anybody there. 14-year-old Charles felt like he was being watched when he went down to the basement. I was putting a box of Christmas stuff inside there and then the door slammed and I was trying to get out. I couldn't get out, it was shut, it wouldn't open. It felt like it was locked. At that point I knew, I knew that it was a demon presence in our house. Um, none of our kids would go downstairs without having the upstairs door open and you had to stand there at that doorway and watch for them and wait so that they could shout to you if they needed you to come back upstairs. They would sleep in our room actually on our floor at one point or in the living room floor. They wouldn't even go into bedrooms and sleep. They wanted to be that close to mom and dad. Eventually Jennifer couldn't sleep at night either. Where I'd be asleep and usually there would just be a flash of light that would flash into my face and that would wake me up and there'd either be somebody's face in my face or somebody at the end of the bed or somebody in the hall that I could see or, um, or music, just strange music that would play that, um, in the middle of the night. Dean and Jennifer fasted and prayed over this supernatural activity in their home. And 
it left almost like a temper tantrum that it had on its way out where it flung all the books around off of one of its bookcases. It's all gone. So definitely a half set free. And when I came home, everybody was more relaxed. The children were just um, more playful. Uh, just everything in the house felt so much better and, and just that tension had been released. Just reiterates over and over again the power of our God um, compared to Satan. I mean, he's still, regardless of anything that he tries or anything he does, Satan is definitely in subjection to our God. Greater is he that is in, in me than he that is in the world. It's absolutely a true statement. It's absolutely true. When the evil spirit used to come into me, I wanted to kill my husband. Gita Sharma knew she'd been cursed by witchcraft. Demonic thoughts ran through her mind as she walked the crowded streets of New Delhi, India. No one was safe, especially her husband. I gave a lot of money to black magicians for spells and drugs to try and get these evil spirits away from me. But nothing changed. I wanted to die. I wanted to kill. It was pure hatred. One day, I even thought of killing everyone with poison and then kill myself. But Gita turned on a TV program that taught there was someone more powerful than black magic. His name? Jesus Christ. I thought Jesus might be able to help me, so I dialed the phone number and asked them to pray for me. Phone counselor in New Delhi prayed with Gita and helped her to accept Jesus as her savior. Then Gita put her newfound faith into action. I told the evil spirit, you don't have any authority over me because I am a child of God. The evil spirit fled. A feeling of peace filled Gita's heart and mind. My life has completely changed. I speak with love to everyone, to my husband, to my mother, and to my brothers and sisters. All right, let me see if I can get this straight now. Uh, demons flee in the name of Jesus Christ, and aliens flee in the name of Jesus Christ. Anybody seeing a connection here? Okay, in fact, folks, it becomes even more obvious when you listen to the rest of Christine's testimony. Let's take a look at what else she shared in her story. Let's take a look. Here's what she shares. She says, my twin sister and brother and I were left alone for the day on our farm in Oregon. I was eight years old and my brother was 12 years old. The day was hot and we were playing in our front yard when we heard a strange humming noise and saw shadows come across the lawn. At first I thought it was airplanes, but my brother said, they are back. I asked him what, and he said, these strange things that come and visit you, but you have to run and hide. Being in the front yard, there were trees and shrubbery, but there really wasn't anywhere to hide. I, I don't know why we didn't go inside, she said. She actually wrote this, duh. And then she continued, she said, it was only a matter of minutes when these objects landed in our field and another field right outside our own on the other side of the fence that grew green. My brother told my sister and I to hide and we frantically tried finding a spot but couldn't. These creatures were everywhere and I mean they were in droves. She said we stopped at the mimosa tree and decided to let destiny fall where it may not know anything else to do. While the other same creatures surrounded the house, three of them approached us. They tried talking us into going with them and my brother told us not to because we would never return. How he knew that, I don't know, but I think something happened to him before. And he said they do sexual things to you. My brother said the only thing to get these creatures away is, listen to this folks, by saying out loud, not thinking it, quote, 
in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to leave. And she says, as soon as we said those words, the three left immediately. In fact, listen to this. She said one of them tripped on the gravel and left, is what she said, that he tripped on the gravel and left a scuff mark going to the pod that was in the other farm's land. Had to get out there real fast, okay? She said, then we watched all of them take off, especially the one where the creatures boarded. The sound became intense like a whirling and then extreme heat and then took off kind of midway, stopped in the sky and then shot off into the clouds. She says this interesting statement, that's when I knew they hid in the clouds. Now, what I find interesting is, uh, speaking of clouds in the air, isn't it interesting how the Bible says this in reference to Satan? The book of Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2 states, the prince of the power of the air of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, speaking of Satan. And in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 states, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the where? In the heavenly places. And then Christine concludes with this, I can tell you that they obey God's word just like a demon has to. But that's still not at all. Christine and the other people in the video are not the only ones who experienced the rebuking of an alien slash demon in the name of Jesus Christ. So have many, many other people. Check out what these independent researchers have discovered. Very interesting characteristics. Please pay attention. Let's take a look. One uh, gentleman stated, far, quote, far from the abductee population, including all those with religious beliefs, there, listen to this, there is one group of people that by and large is notably absent. They are Christians, those who are often these days unflatteringly described as Christian fundamentalists, okay? He says many people in the world claim to be a Christian, that is, they have Christian ideals or morality and may even regard themselves as, quote, good people. He says, but I'm talking about what are known as born-again, Bible-believing Christian. It is as if the ETs tend to avoid this select group of people. This reality has been largely ignored by many UFO researchers. Muslims, Buddhists, Jews, agnostics, all seem to claim abduction experiences. As more case studies were examined, a puzzling trend emerged. The so-called Christians reporting the abduction experience tended to be people who intellectually espoused the existence of God, but didn't personally apply it, i.e. they weren't true Christians, only in name only. He says, but there seemed to be an obvious absence of devout, Bible-believing, walk-the-walk type Christians. He says, where were they in this equation? And he says this, one, one experience by a Mr. Bill D. took place at Christmas in Florida in 1976. His abduction started out typically, uh, i.e. late, uh, at night in bed. Early in the evening, he saw some anomalous lights through his living room window over a forest north of his home. He assumed it was a police helicopter searching for drug runners or something there in Florida. So whatever it was, it agitated his dogs for several hours thereafter. He eventually went to bed. He was lying in bed, kept wide awake by the barking dogs, when paralysis all of a sudden set in. He said he was unable to cry out. He could see nothing but a whitish gray, like a, a, a mist or a fog, although he sensed something or someone was in his room. 
His wife didn't awaken, and the next thing he knew, he was being levitated above his bed. By this time, he was alive with terror, but he couldn't scream. And here's where the story becomes very interesting. He states this, quote, So helpless, I couldn't do anything. I said, listen, quote, Jesus, Jesus, help me. He said, when I did, there was a feeling or sound or, or something that either my words that I thought or the words that I had tried to say or whatever had hurt whatever was holding me up. I fell. I hit the bed because it was like I was thrown back in the bed. I, I really can't tell, but when I did, my wife woke up and asked why I was jumping on the bed. This was the first time that experienced field investigators had ever heard of an abduction being stopped and this man did it by just calling on the name of Jesus. Another experience of stopping an abduction with the name of Jesus Christ goes like this. One man shared back in 1973, quote unquote, my wife had a strange experience in the middle of the night. At the time we knew nothing about UFO abductions so we had no category in which to place it other than extremely lucid nightmare. Uh, it has many of the abduction components. The, the point is that she stopped the entities and the whole experience with the name of Jesus. And they said this, listen, it is vital to get this information out. In addition, these days, the Christian church is not equipped to deal with such reports because the UFO phenomenon has been largely misunderstood and dismissed by organized religions. Yet, as the number of cases mounted, the data showed that in every instance where the victim knew to invoke the name of Jesus Christ, the event stopped, period. The evidence, he says, was becoming increasingly difficult to ignore. Gradually, things became a little clearer. They started to understand that these events were completely spiritual in nature and resembled ancient stories and descriptions of what the Bible called demons. It seems amazing, he says, that the ET-believing UFOologists and even skeptics have noticed that modern alien abductions resembled ancient stories of demons, yet they have ignored the world's most famous and best-selling book, the Bible, which explains about their origins. Compare the spiritual nature of UFO sightings with the character of alien abductions and surely we have to begin to realize that these entities are not real physical ETs from other planets. They are from another dimension, just as Valet, Kiel, Mac, and so many other UFO researchers have stated from different sides of the fence. And they have concluded, quote, so to find their source, one needs to wear spiritual glasses. He says, unfortunately, most of these modern day researchers have embraced a humanistic based view of this world with the theory of evolution serving as the creator of both them and the aliens. He said this opens them up to spiritual deception and in turn has blinded them to the claims of the Bible which makes God the creator. He says in conclusion I suggest that the answers they have been looking for but do not want to hear may be quote God is real and the Bible is true. This interpretation is further supported by the Space Brothers' single-minded obsession with undermining the Bible's account of the nature and mission of the, listen, the only one who appears to be able to stop them, and that, of course, is Jesus. Gee whiz, folks, come on, maybe it's just me, but it sounds like we're dealing with demons here. Put, put all this together. 
I mean, if it walks like a demon, if it talks like a demon, if it acts like a demon, if it's rebuked in the name of Jesus Christ like a demon, I'm kind of thinking we're dealing with demons here, okay? How much more proof do you need? That's what we're dealing with here. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today, that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things with you. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the Bible also says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness is death. In other words, when we die, and it's coming for each one of us, we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, but it's going to happen. The Bible says, therefore, since the wages of our sin is death, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and not to heaven. And that's bad enough, but to make matters worse, we don't want to admit this. God already knows. He knows uh, all of our behavior, everything, our thoughts, what we've done, what even we're going to do. He knows it all. He's gone. Even though he already knows this, we don't want to admit this. And so out of love and mercy, God gave us something called his law or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows, that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law, to show us what he already knows. The Ten Commandments, uh, the ninth one says this, you shall not bear false witness. Okay, that's called lying, okay? And if you've ever told a lie once, which we all have, myself included, the Bible says that makes you a liar, okay? The, the, another commandment says, you shall not steal, okay? Uh, and you might think, well, that's something that everybody does. Well, it doesn't make it right, and it demonstrates what God is trying to show us, that uh, we all have sin, and it's separating us from him. Even if you took a pencil in the third grade from somebody, if you did it without permission, that's stealing. And so now you've become a thief. The Bible says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And how interesting it is and unfortunate that the only name under heaven by which men might be saved, the name Jesus Christ, has now become a common cuss word. The Bible says that God is so holy that even his name is holy. If you've taken the Lord's name in vain, and used it as a cuss word or even flippantly, the Bible calls that the sin of blasphemy. And so now you become a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus says if you even look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. And finally, the Bible says uh, you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? Well, again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred is the same as the sin of murder. The only difference is you pulled the trigger, if you will, in your heart. You wish they were dead. And in God's eyes, it's the same thing in principle. Folks, that's only just a couple of the Ten Commandments. We didn't even go through all of them. But I think you're starting to get the picture. The Bible is correct. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, myself included. And that we are separated from God as a result. And so when our time comes, we're not automatically going to heaven. We are headed for judgment. We are headed for hell. Now let me tell you the good news. The good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to save us 
Jesus Christ died on the cross. It was the death penalty of its day. He paid in full uh, the price for our sins to be forgiven. Let me give you an analogy. For instance, even today, we could see that a person could commit a crime. Uh, they, they cannot reverse it. The, the sentence has been passed. The judge has uh, slammed his gavel, and they are ushered off into their jail cell. And in this particular crime, they are going to receive the death penalty. And so they're behind bars just waiting for the time, waiting for the call for them to go and uh, receive the death penalty. But believe it or not, as we know, there is a way that a person can get off a death row. And that is if the one in authority, the governor, would grant them a pardon. Now, they didn't earn it. Uh, they certainly don't deserve it. And there's nothing they could do uh, to earn it because nothing can reverse their crime. Okay? Yet the one in authority has that ability to grant them a pardon. Well, can I tell you something? That's what God has done through Jesus Christ. The cross was the death penalty of the day. God sent his one and only son to die on the cross, to take the death penalty in our place, and that if we would just receive his pardon for all of our sins, God is willing to allow us to get off a death row. He's willing to forgive us completely of all of our sins. That's the good news that I want to share with you. God loves you. The Bible says that God is not willing that anyone should perish, but everyone come to repentance. Won't you, if that's you, call upon the name of Jesus Christ right now? Won't you ask him to forgive you for sins? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Won't you do that now, wherever you are? Please, take God up on his amazing, loving offer. I'll let you down. Man will let you down. People will let you down. But God never will. He wants to adopt you into his forever family. He loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done, past, present, and future. It's amazing. Please, call upon Jesus now. Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church. If there's anything that we can do for you, please don't hesitate to ask. Our number and information will come up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.